What's up, everybody? Welcome to Full Draw Friday, episode number 50. I wanted to do a Q&A today, so I put in our Ridge Hunter Nation group a little post asking for some questions from you guys, and a few of you came through. So I've got three questions I'm going to hit on. I'm going to save the best for last, though, so you guys are going to want to stick around to hear that one. It's one of the best questions we've got to date. Not that the other ones are bad. This one's just it's a little bit different of a question, I really appreciated it. So we'll get into that, but first, don't forget about our guy Rodney Hawkins. If you guys are looking for your own piece of ground to manage and hunt, or maybe you have a piece of ground you're looking to get sold, Rodney is the guy to talk to. He grew up hunting and fishing in southern Illinois, and he's now putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land. He himself sold over $7 million worth of properties last year. That's residential and recreational stuff. And Midwest Farm and Land has agents like him all over the state, so they're really a local company with a national reach. For more info on them, what might be available, maybe getting your property listed, you can call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153, and he'll get you taken care of. He's also got his own company called RG Outdoors. He's got products from Radix Hunting. He has Tacticam trail cameras. He's got camo dust, and he's working on new stuff all the time as well. So if you want to keep up with that, or if you're interested in anything he does have, you can go over to their Facebook page. It's RG Outdoors. Follow them. Send them a message. You can email them at rgoutdoors at yahoo.com, or again, just call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153. Don't forget to let them know that we sent you over there. If you guys want to follow us on social media, it's Ridge Hunter Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram, Ridge Hunter Outdoors on YouTube as well. That's where you're going to find all of our video content. The podcast is on there as well. We do have the private Facebook group, like I mentioned, which is Ridge Hunter Nation. You guys, all you have to do is answer a couple questions and they'll let you in. If you listen to the podcast, go join that group because you can have some input on the show like those of you who ask questions today. RidgeHunterOutdoors.com is the website. That's where we have our apparel. We just released a new line of hats, the Richardson 112 caps with some new designs on them. We got some Fall Pursuit stuff and some Ridge Hunter stuff. I think they turned out really good. I think you guys will like them. So that's on the website. If you want to get any of that, don't forget to use the discount code RHOPOD. That's all caps, no space, or full draw, same thing, all caps, no space. You get 10% off your entire order there. And the podcast is on the website as well. And any information on our consulting or management services, you can find and contact us through there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify or anywhere else that lets you do so, make sure you rate and review. If you are on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed. If you're not, do that. If you guys don't subscribe to YouTube anyway and you're listening somewhere else, just stop, go over there and do that. That really helps us out. So appreciate all the people who do subscribe, who do follow, who do review and things like that. And appreciate anybody else who's tuning in for the first time. So let's get into a Q&A episode here on Full Draw Friday number 50. Mm. All right, so the first one I'm going to hit on is about planting specific things for late season attraction in your food plots and uh, he says what do you plant for late season attraction in your food plots I don't have much luck with brassicas and that's something that we hear a lot a lot of guys for whatever reason don't have luck with brassicas and we talked to John O'Brien from Grandpa Ray about it he said a lot of times it's it's when they're being planted and when the deer actually prefer to eat them in their growth stage and and when you plant them kind of changes that throughout the season some of it is they don't necessarily know what it is right away. If you haven't planted it year over year, it takes you know a couple of years for them to get used to it, and then they start eating them better. Another part is 
a lot of times where we're at in southern Illinois, it doesn't get cold enough to really kill everything else off until after the season. And then that's when deer really start hammering the brassicas and they eat the green stuff, obviously, and then they'll get down and even eat the roots. That's something we talked about with Dusty on the last regular episode. But if you just don't want to go with the brassicas, some other options. Obviously, beans are a good one. Uh, there's Soybeans are one of the best food plots that you can plant. You can spray them, obviously, so if you get Roundup ready, so you can keep the weeds and grass out of them. So that's a big bonus to having them. The deer love them. They are high in protein, so it's there's some benefit there. It's not just carbs for energy like a corn plot would be. Not that there's you know, anything wrong with planting corn as well, especially if you're going to rotate them. But the biggest downfall to the bean plot is if you don't have enough area and your deer density is too high, they're never going to make it to put on beans. The deer are going to eat them throughout the summer. As soon as they sprout, they come up and they'll never let them grow. If you have fencing, you can do that with the beans. If you have enough area, though, like, um, you know, two acres in certain places, even with a, a higher deer density, if you've got a good amount of seed per acre, you might have to up a population versus what someone might be planning to grow a crop and harvest it. You might have to plant a higher population of beans just to get more plants in the ground coming up, and that way it can withstand some browse pressure. So beans are a good option if you have the room to do it. Another option for me is sorghum or milo, which I really like. And the biggest reason I like it is if you're limited on space. There's two big reasons. If you're limited on space, the deer will not eat it throughout its growing stages. So they're not going to eat it until it puts a seed on, it matures, and it gets to that kind of doughy stage in the fall. And the other reason that I really like it is it's it's fairly easy. And, again, you don't have have to have a lot of space to do it. So... I guess really it comes down to um, if, you, if you're limited on how many acres you can plant, if it's a half acre even. I've got a quarter acre of sorghum that I planted this year that worked really well, and the deer ate what was there. Obviously, it got dry, um, so some of it died a little early. Some of the seed fell off a little early, but it's a good even just all general wildlife uh, food plot option because the turkeys love it, the birds love it, rabbits will hide in it. It, it's really good for all your wildlife, but the deer like it too. And But that's something also with the brassicas, one of the, like the brassicas, is it might take the deer a year or two to get used to it just because if they don't know what it is, they might not be able to figure it out. And once they do, though, they'll start hitting that pretty regularly, and and you'll see it's a, it's a pretty good food plot. And even this first year planting it over there at the cabin, the deer hit it really well. So those are two options, beans and sorghum both, and that are grain options. Um, some other options for you might be, uh, like Grandpa Ray has a blend called Inner Sanctum that we really like. It's got kale in it, so it does heavy brassica, and it's also got clover. And again, most of the time where we're at in southern Illinois, and I'm going to get into this a little bit on the second question too, is it's not going to get cold enough until after the season that it's going to kill what you've got planted when that comes to, you know, clover and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily going to go dormant until after the season. So if you do plant clover, you might have it throughout the later part of the season for some attraction there as well. Anything you can plant green. Um, and on that, winter wheat's a really good one. If you want them to be able to eat it in the spring, get some onless winter wheat because then they will eat the seeds off of it also the following spring. But winter wheat, winter rye, those are good options. Oats for late season even if it does get cold so you know that's going to be kind of your security blanket if we do have a really harsh December or early January 
And then that's also going to be there right now when everything else is gone. So where your clover, even though it might make it through the season, if you're just wanting, if part of what you're wanting to do is keep your herd healthy and give them something to eat when everything else is kind of gone, the where the clover is not going to be there for that, the winter wheat, the winter rye, the oats, that stuff will be there this time of year also. So those are just some options for you if you're looking to go away from brassicas. Hopefully that helps. That's some stuff that we've done. A lot of times I like to split plots in half if they're good enough size where we'll do we'll do brassicas in one half and then we'll come back and do like a winter rye or winter wheat in the other half of it. And that kind of has the best of both worlds there. So hopefully that helps you out. The other question, another question we had is, he says, we are killing off fescue and are considering some native prairie grass for better deer bedding and turkey nesting. What would you suggest? So... When it comes to native grasses, and this is where I was, I'm going back to where we are in southern Illinois. It's we don't see as much of it as they do north of us. However, we still do have some years, and even even you know we get those heavy rains in late October and November, and frost and stuff like that. That kind of stuff is really hard on like your blue stems, your Indian grass, that kind of stuff. And it's going to knock it over and it's not going to come back up. So then you've effectively lost all the cover that you planted. Whereas a switchgrass, like a cave and rock switchgrass, for example, generally will withstand the stress from from the winter months and even the snow. After the snow falls on it, it, it generally stands up better than a lot of those other grasses do. And it's going to be there throughout the season. So if you plant something that looks really good in September and October, but then as soon as the winter rolls around, it's laying on the ground, you haven't really helped your bedding any. And another thing to keep in mind, I don't think necessarily you have to have a diverse blend of grasses when it comes to your bedding, but you do have to have some kind of browse nearby for the deer to want to bed there. They're not going to bed two, 300 yards from the closest browse, because they have to feed an average of five times per 24 hours. So if you don't have something close, they're not going to bed there anyway. Whether that's, you know, you've got some timber that you've done some improvements on, some TSI close to your bedding, close to where you're planting your switchgrass, or maybe it's a food plot right up next to your switchgrass. Or one of the things that we like to do, and we'll recommend for clients on properties is if we're doing a switchgrass planting and it's a substantial area where we're trying to get these deer to bed, you can go in there and mark off kind of different shapes, whatever, circles, ovals, doesn't really matter. You can make it an L shape, but go in there and either don't plant that in your switchgrass, that shape, flag it off and don't plant anything there. Or if you do plant it, go in and spray all of that with a grass selective herbicide and kill all the grasses out of it because grass is not browse for deer. If that's why you kind of want to stay away from like rye grass, which you'll see a lot on Walmart shelves for your food plots, because if deer are eating grass for food, then you probably have other problems like with your natural browse that's available with your food sources that maybe they don't have. They don't typically seek out grass to eat. So if you see them eating it, there's generally an issue somewhere else. But back to the bedding part of it, to allow them to have browse close to their bedding, you go in and you make these little diversity pockets, we call them, by spraying. And you can even go in, and if you spray this area, you can disc it to kind of bring some of the natural seed the natural seed bed up and promote that kind of growth, the natural growth. And then you just go in every year and you kind of do the same thing. 
You can mow it down and spray it again. You don't want to just go in and mow it every year because then it's eventually just going to turn to grass because you're going to kill the weeds out of it. The mowing won't kill the grass, and then you'll just have this carpet of grass again. But you can go in there and either mow it, spray it, or mow it and disc it, or all three every year and keep some natural brows going up. And it doesn't have to be every year. It could be every two to three years even. And that's going to give you that the brows that they need close to their bedding, so it's going to promote bedding within your switchgrass stand. But as far as like the main part of your question, when it comes to what blends we like, just pretty much a straight blend of, not blend, but uh, straight switchgrass is, is probably your best bet, especially since we do have the chance of some harsh winters. You know, you hate to go in there and spend all that money on a native blend, and then we get one of those years where we get six inches of snow the first week of December, and then your bedding's gone for the rest of the year. So that's something to really keep in mind when it comes to that. Hopefully that helps you there as well. Now, the final question, the one I was talking about that I really appreciated was a little bit on the lighter side. It's not necessarily have to do with habitat or hunting strategy, but Travis asked, is Blake allowed to film Nate's hunts next year? And (laughs) Blake commented on that. We had some other good comments on it, but I will say that, yes, he's still allowed to film Nate's hunts, even though we had some blunders this year. <laughs> we all had them. You know, most of theirs was had to do with the autofocus part of it. But he'll be back hunting with Nate this year. Obviously, Travis is just giving us a hard time, but that's fun. If we hadn't have done the season the way we did it, if we hadn't have put the series on YouTube, we wouldn't be able to, you know have that kind of stuff to joke about. So I'm glad we did it. I'm <laughs> to some extent glad that kind of stuff did happen and it, it's in the first season. So you kind of learn from it, you move on, but yeah, Nate and Blake will be up back out hunting together next year and, and filming and hopefully bringing you guys some more awesome hunts. Cause even though like the kill shot wasn't there on that hunt, it was still an awesome morning in the stand. They did a great job filming it and bringing it to you guys. So, and I appreciate you guys that do watch that and do uh, can appreciate what we're trying to do there and, and just what we're doing with the YouTube show. So that's all I got for today. I Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this episode. Don't forget about Monday's episode. We're going to have Sean Lundy on, hopefully. We had to reschedule with him a couple times, but the plan is to record with him tonight for Monday's episode. So stay tuned for that, and thanks, guys, for listening. <laughs>